Belmont Stakes is fast approaching. A little bit later in the show, going to be taking the earliest look at the Belmont. You can get tickets now, belmontstakes.com, and you can bet Belmont with Naira Bets and receive a $200 deposit match using the promo code Naira200. If you want the full listing of all the America's Day at the Races coverage on the Fox family of networks, check out inthemoneypodcast.com slash TV. And you can read our daily coverage of Naira over at inthemoneypodcast.com. And you can even find us on the Naira website with our write-ups that get linked out to under the Picks, Plays, and Promotions tab. For much more, go to inthemoneypodcast.com. We're thrilled to be once again partnered with Gainsway Farm for 2023. Gainsway stands up-and-coming stallion McKinsey. McKinsey produced 16 six-figure first-crop weanlings, the most of any first-crop sire, with a $135,000 weanling average. At Keeneland January, McKinsey produced the two highest-priced first-crop yearlings at $250,000 and $220,000, well above the $145,000 Keeneland January sales average. Additionally, at Basic Tipton February, McKinsey had the highest-priced First crop yearling at 200000 Don't miss your opportunity. For more information, visit Gainsway.com. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Thursday, June 1st. This is the latest in the week we've ever done a recap show for the previous weekend on a Thursday, uh, largely due to travel and all sorts of craziness, of course, uh, in the money media's own. Jonathan Kinchin getting married in the Amalfi Coast last weekend to uh, Jovanina Salivo. So great seeing all those folks, and we wish uh, official congratulations to them. Uh, I don't know when. Hopefully we'll get Jonathan back next week for the Belmont. I do think they're traveling a little bit, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be back for that with the whole uh, network TV on Fox angle. We'll be talking about the Belmont a little bit later in the show, but we're going to start off looking back, as I mentioned, to the grade ones from California last weekend. And I, your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again, will bring in the man we turn to when it comes to so many things related to Southern California racing. You can read his daily analysis over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com for the SoCal Circuit. He is Dean Kepler. Dean, how are things? Pete, it's uh, great to be here with you today. And uh, certainly was some exciting racing over the weekend at Santa Anita, that's for sure. It was cool. It was cool. And let's start out with the Gamely, a race that uh, I'll admit surprised me a little bit. The winner made perfect sense off the last figure. But as I was handicapping the race and looking over Macadamia, this five-year-old mare, as much as I respect Phil D'Amato, I, I was thinking to myself, this is maybe a horse that has a chance to regress a bit off that big run in the Wilshire. Um, she had other ideas. She moved forward once again. And granted, uh, absolutely perfect trip in here in a race that may have favored her running style a bit, but uh, a clean one-length victory in the end and uh, was, was very impressive. How serious of a contender going forward do you think this macadamia is in this division? Yeah, like he, uh, you know, was coming into this race. He had a nice, uh, you know, improving buyer pattern. But like you said, he had a, you know, coming off a 90, 97 buyer, you would think perhaps there was a, a step backwards there, but. You know, it looked like the race was going to set up for horses off the pace. It closed well. He looked very professional doing it. And, you know, I think there, you know, perhaps another grade one in his future here for uh, Phil D'Amato. 
Yeah, this certainly they they've taken this one who they bought as a Group One winner out of Brazil, and she's just made steady progress. It was really just the idea, you know, it's not easy to get them to peak and find a new level of ability at at five years old. But it does go to show that you know if these horses keep running and you take good care of them, they can continue to give to you. And I do think the pace, it's interesting, Timeform did not code it as a particularly fast pace, but just the way that it unfolded to me, where you, you see the the early leaders. Now, granted, uh, one of them was a big long shot, but School Dance at four to one and Bellamore, you know, they ended up last and, and third last in here. Um, and the fact that Queen Goddess, the heavy favorite, was sitting up on that pace, attacked it, made that clear lead in the stretch only to get run down by two deeper closers. I do think it was probably a flow that uh, that did help horses from off the pace. I certainly wouldn't give up on the idea of Queen Goddess being able to reverse that form when this this group reopposes. I had picked uh, Via Reggio in the race, who uh, did not end up uh, doing, doing very well in this spot. Might have been a victim of her own uh, keenness early. It never really looked comfortable to me. Race came back okay on the clock for her. She'd run a 89 in her allowance prep and ran a 91 here. I wouldn't rule out that there could be further improvement from her for Brendan Walsh if they can get her to settle down a little bit. She's just four years old. I suppose it's also possible that uh, she might be seen to to a little bit better effect going going shorter, though her form in Europe suggests that the, the mile and eighth should be no problem. She won over a mile and eighth at the Curl, which is even a more testing mile and an eighth than, than this, and, and had run okay at a mile and a quarter over there. I'd be curious to see what Brendan Walsh does with her. I, I tried to get a little bit cute and went for the turf form shipping west angle with her at a good price, eight to one. But we'll see. Anybody in here you're particularly interested in maybe uh, taking a shot with or against when they next appear, Dean? Yeah, you know, Pete, I was a little surprised that um, the one school dance, Phil DeMaio's other runner, you know, had went out there for the lead. I really thought he was going to tuck in and get nice a nice ground-saving trip there. Uh, kind of was out of his, you know, usual style of running there. So uh, I wouldn't be hesitant to, you know, to play that Philly back. I think, you know, with the right trip, um, you know, she's as, probably as good as any in here. Um, so, you know, she's probably going to offer some value next time. That's a good point with that ugly looking last. But when they break poorly and take that bump, I think she just got lit up and it, it the, the game plan, whatever the game plan was, I think went out the window at that point. Absolutely. But I think that's a good point. That was not representative necessarily of her form in the game. And we'll see what happens when this group reopposes. I, I don't know what the next what the next spot on the calendar where these guys are, are, or gals, I should say, are likely to, to show up. But we'll see. And uh, you'll surely be covering it over on the website, how things been going in the, in the written analysis lately. I know you were on a very hot run for a while. Yeah. You know, Pete, like, you know, like I've mentioned before, um, you know, a lot of times Southern California takes some heat for not having full fields. Like, you know, you see out of the East coast, but I tell you these, you know, these races, uh, despite some of them are maybe only having five, six, seven horses, they've been extremely competitive. Uh, there has been an abundance of prices, uh, certainly for those playing the, uh, you know, multi-race exotics, pick threes, fours, and fives, there's been a lot of value there. And, you know, they've been really, really tough, really tough. There's been a lot of horses that, you know, have uh, have won at good prices. So, you know, if you can string together something, there's certainly there's certainly been a lot of value out there. It feels like Del Mar last year, the way they sort of changed up the writing of the races, attracted a lot of full fields. And then obviously some really 
cruddy luck with the weather out there in Southern California early in the year. But it feels like as the year's gone on, they've been able to find their their footing more. And it's a circuit that I think is once again demanding attention and, and should continue to do so. I know I'll be very much looking forward to, to getting involved in Del Mar. I might make, it's not official yet, but I might end up making my triumphant return to the Del Mar summer meet for opening day. I've gone the last several years for the Crosby meet, but haven't been to the Del Mar summer meet since, gosh, however many years ago now, it's been a minute since Saratoga expanded that extra week. I used to go whichever week Del Mar didn't run. Um, whichever week Saratoga didn't run, I'd make it to Del Mar. And I do think this week, I'm just going to, I'm going to skip one week of Saratoga with the eight weeks, hopefully to get out there for Del Mar opening day, maybe some fun stuff we're cooking up with them will come to fruition, which would be, which would be awesome. What would you, I know you said you didn't make it to Saratoga last year. Have you done any California traveling the last few years? No, we're uh, actually trying to string together, you know, a few days out there this summer. It's, you know, been a while since I've been out there. And, um, you know, Del Mar is just, you know, just a fabulous place, as everybody knows. And, you know, if you can uh, make the trip out there, I'd highly recommend anybody that hasn't. Uh, but I'm looking to string, you know, a few days together this summer and uh, looking forward to get back there. Yeah, it's it's so beautiful weather wise and just vibes wise. It's 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 incredible. And with the racing having taken a step up in these last couple of years, it just makes it makes it all the more easy to say, you know what, Saratoga, I love you. I'll be with you seven weekends, but I'm going to try to reserve one for our friends out west. Let's move on on that Saturday card. Santanita's seventh race was the grade one Shoemaker Mile, another a big full field in this spot and another horse that's uh, found themselves later. I guess that's sort of the theme of these races that, you know, so we're so used to horses being um, whisked off to, to stud or the breeding shed or whatever at younger ages. It's very interesting to see a horse at six years old. This horse, you know, January 1st, 2023, Dean, Exalted had never, I don't think the horse had even ever run on the, on the turf and then gets put onto the turf and, Nothing but wins and nothing but good figures. It's and and a lovely old school sort of progression here. Winning the first level allowance, winning the second level allowance, winning the grade three, and then going up to the grade one level and getting the job done. What's the ceiling for Exalted? Have we? I mean, is this is 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 this going to be the the career highlight, or is this a horse that's going to continue to have a future in grade one turf races out there in California? Yeah, Pete. I, you know, I got to be honest. I was I was uh, against him in this spot, um, and he certainly he certainly made a believer out of me. You know, this wasn't an easy field that he defeated. Uh, you know, in here in the Shoemaker, and you know, I just thought like this. You know, looking back, I just didn't think he had the class for this particular level. But you know, it just makes you wonder that you know that surface switch that just you know the the light bulb went off, and it's just been it's just been unbelievable. You know how how he's rest on the turf here so you know the way he handled this grade one field here you know i can't see why not he couldn't do it again but like i said i had my doubts and uh he proved me wrong this wasn't a this wasn't some soft race either you have proven grade one form from the likes of hong kong harry and uh, our old friend uh, gold phoenix in this spot and yeah, it's not just marching over the, you know, sometimes you'll see kind of tired form in Southern California turf races, but that was not the case. This was a legit group, and you did have a giant long shot in Iredeo coming from uh, way back in the pack 
to to nab second in this spot. But I don't think that's indicative of the form. You know, they, 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 this was a good race, and Hong Kong Harry certainly a, a rock solid yardstick went off as the three to two favorite in this spot and could only could only manage third. Now, granted, that's a horse who uh, I'm curious to see. Maybe has a little bit of a look of a Del Mar horse for course. Hong Kong Harry maybe perks up down there by the ocean, like we were talking about. Happens to so many humans when they when they get out there. But uh, I, yeah, this this was a, le- a legitimate effort, and you know, kind of a, a cool horse that I'm excited to see what he does next. Were there any in here that you have sort of earmarked as horses you might want to bet on or against going forward? Yeah, Pete. You know uh, that. Uh... The horse, number 11, Salesman, who was making his first U.S. start, and that was a tough post coming out of post 11. You know, yeah. I would uh, give that gelding, you know, another look. Um, you know, I thought he was going to be up against it, making his first start, like I said, stateside. That's a tough post to, you know, the handle and his first American start. So, you know, I might give I might give that gelding another look with Richard Mandela, who's having simply, a, you know, a fabulous meet so far at Santa Anita. He's clicking close to somewhere near 30%. Seems like everything he's putting out there is running at this meet uh, extremely well. I think that's a good call because, you know, you've got some rock solid back form from this horse from France coming in the confidence. Mandela, not somebody who just wants to dance every dance and, and throw a horse in to the deep end of the pool. The fact that he had the confidence to try this horse here. And I think that's a great point. Sometimes we forget how the, the, the bad post and the bad start can really just doom a horse's effort. And it's just, you don't really have to take the form too literally going forward, really for this horse to be 11 to one in the spot from that post against this group that, that suggests a horse that has a lot more talent than we saw. And the paper is going to look pretty ugly the next time, uh, the next time going forward for salesmen. How often do you go back and look at the picks you've made in a given race and then read that after the race and try to, evaluate maybe a horse that you you liked on the day something went wrong but that can really be a key horse for you going forward as opposed to one where you go back and you read your analysis and you say you know what I think I was just wrong about this one time to move on yeah I think you know to be successful in this game I I think that's essential that you go back um, see perhaps where you maybe you missed something or um, you know your selection or a couple of your selections had really bad trips Perhaps they were pace pace compromised. Perhaps there was a you know a track bias going on that afternoon that didn't you know favor your initial selection. And you know, I think it's you know you could gather up a a good group of horses to watch and play back. And uh, I just just think overall to in, improve as a, a gambler and a better, uh, you know, you got to be honest with yourself and you got to see you know you know whether you were right and something you know outside of your you know of what you thought was going to happen, you know, hindered your selection or, you know, perhaps you were just wrong and, you know, the race just unfolded and, uh, you know, you just weren't right that day. So I think that's, like I said, essential that you're able to go back and really uh, look at yourself and, uh, you know, look at your selections and, and see actually what happened in the race. Being objective is so key. It's different than being, um, you know, it's very easy to be a cheerleader when you're involved with a horse or a sports team or something, and you can always sort of take that rose-colored glasses view. But when you're trying to pick winners, slash, find value, make money in the game, 
that that ability to to distinguish between okay no this was legitimate bad trip versus um i was just wrong here or whatever the circumstances may be it it it, it is something that i think a lot of horse players just don't do enough because there's always another you know in the simulcast world there's always another race in five minutes and it's very easy to turn the page and going through and going back and looking more closely at the results and trying to be objective about what you did right and what you did wrong that's where the real work is i mean i'm very sympathetic to that idea of you know you don't just have um wins and losses in this game you have wins and learning experiences and you know yes a win can be a learning experience but i don't know about you dean for me i feel like the most learning i've ever done in all my gambling with sports betting and with horses is actually when i made a mistake and and the mistakes are can be your best teachers yeah you know when you're right you don't you know you don't usually go back and you know analyze why you were right but uh (laughs) when you're wrong i think it's just like i said it's extremely important to you know to figure out why um you know whether it was just a bad pick on you know on your behalf or there was something else going on there yeah and of course there's randomness it's it's not always easy to 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 grade your own to grade your own selections but that's a if you want to get better that's something i'd really suggest taking time with whether your result was a win a loss or a draw let's go ahead once again to the grade one hollywood gold cup a race where Defunded did his thing as expected, rolling on the front end, not really a terribly challenged for the lead. Absolute merry-go-round race here with a 1-2-3 early or 1-2-3 late. Interestingly, with the, the second and third being big long shots in the form of Piroli and Kiss Today Goodbye, 28-1 to and 37-1. to So he actually ended up being able to do okay on that 50-cent super if you were clever enough to chuck country grammar and uh, Senor Buscador from the mix. Uh, defunded, you know, th- this to me was a little bit more that example of a, of, of a little bit tired looking form from California of horses that are good um, running against each other. But, but I'm not sure how relevant this form is going to be uh, when, you know, sort of the bigger runners in the division turn up. Am I being too negative about the likes of Defunded, who scored with a 100 buyer speed figure? Or do you think this is a horse that could prove a legitimate contender for a race like the Breeders' Cup Classic down the line? You know, Pete, you know, he looked like he was going to be the lone speed in this race, and he went out there and did exactly what you expected. And like you said, I guess the the biggest surprise was, you know, the horses that filled, you know, the underneath spots here. Uh, like you said, Paroli and Kiss Today Goodbye, big prices. Uh, I didn't expect that at all. You know, I thought one of the other horses, Country Grammar, um, you know, Yes This Time, or the other Senior Bus Guitar could, you know, we're going to probably fill out the exactly there. So that was a big surprise to me. But this looks like, a, you know, a horse that, um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, when he gets up to the, you know, this grade one level and he, you know, he, he faces some of these, uh, you know, sharp, older Colts of Geldings here. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, if he doesn't get his way, you know, I think he's perhaps vulnerable, you know, in the Breeders' Cup down the road here. Disappointment of the race, certainly country grammar. He's had a couple of subpar efforts in a row at this point at age six have we maybe seen the best of him or do we think especially as well as he's run in the saudi cup a couple of years in a row and the giant purse and timing of that race will they maybe try to give him a break and and restart and and maybe he can go one better in that in that race this year what's your read on country grammar best days behind or still something in the tank i think there's still something in the tank you know um 
I was kind of on the fence. I didn't really know exactly how he was going to run in this spot. Like I said, he looked like he was, uh, you know, pace compromising here, didn't get the greatest of setups, uh, making his first start, you know, like I said, back in, you know, from Dubai, the end of March, um, you know, but this, this is the kind of horse I think, you know, he could take some time off and he can turn back and run a really big number. So, you know, he's six years old now. You see, he's uh, over $15 million in earnings. He certainly doesn't have anything to prove, but, you know, I, I think he's, you know, I wouldn't absolutely toss him out as, you know, I really think that he's, you know, he's probably got a couple good races still left in him. And um, like I said, he's, he could come off, you know, the layoff and run well for Baffert. So, like I said, $15, $15 million in earnings. I mean, he's got nothing to prove. Um, he's had a tremendous career. But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily cross him out as, you know, a horse to look for in the future. Yeah, we'll see what they decide to do. I certainly wouldn't be interested uh, without a break. But with a break um, and, and the right kind of targets in the future, I used to think that the key to him was just a mile and a quarter. But that's not, you know, looking at back at the PPs now, that, that theory doesn't hold a lot of water given those huge races in, in Saudi going shorter. I know they say that's a very unique surface. I think there's something to the idea that he just really loves it over there. If they were to decide to, you know, take a break and come back with a race in the fall in the San Antonio and maybe make that a potential uh, career capper. I don't know what, you know, Windstar involved in the ownership group there. Not sure what their plans are for him in terms of his next career, but I think you might even be able to still do that Saudi race and, and, uh, and enter the breeding season. I think there might be enough time or maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it's really the Pegasus would be the, would be the last call if they were going to try to do something with him next year. But given the hands he's in, I'm sure they're going to, they'll do what's right for him at this point. Cause like you said, um, he certainly, these horses never really owe us anything, but this horse really doesn't owe connections, anything with the tremendous amount of money and the amazing ride that he's taken them on. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens with the, the funded. We'll see if either of these long shots can step up next time and, and show that those efforts were for real. And maybe they can at least be players in the West Coast division of these older handicap horses. It's a little early, Dean, to be having this next conversation about the Belmont Stakes. But we do have markets to look at for, for betting here. And I know you had a particular horse you were interested in. But I feel like any conversation about the Belmont should start with a conversation about Forte, who in the betting is a pretty heavy favorite at this point, significantly favored over Angel of Empire, as short as six to four in the betting, um, prices as high as 15 to eight from English bookmakers. What are you expecting to see from Forte in the Belmont Stakes? Yeah, I, I don't see uh, any reason, um, you know, based on what transpired, you know, over Derby, you know, the Derby shenanigans there. I, I think he's going to come back and run a big race here. Um, for me personally, I'm going to probably look elsewhere for value. I think there's some, you know, a lot of value in this race. If, uh, you know, some of the horses that are possibly going in this race too, you know, it all comes together. Um, I think there's other value in here that, you know, I don't have anything negative to say about Forte. He's done nothing wrong. Um, you know, I can't see why he wouldn't run his A race in here, but I'm going to search for some other value, Pete. Yeah, there's just question marks in terms of the distance, right? We've talked so often about how, that difference between a mile and an eighth and a mile and a quarter can play like more than the raw distance. That's certainly even more the case with the Belmont. Now it is tempting to take an in Pletcher we trust attitude. And if the horse was four to one, I, I think I'd want to bet it that way, but at, you know, six to four, two to one, and those do feel like the kind of numbers 
um, that we're going to be seeing on the day. I, I don't can't imagine he won't be the heavy favorite, given he was going to be the heavy favorite for the Kentucky Derby. I, I don't hate that idea at all about looking a little bit further down in the market. I also have questions about, gosh, the next three choices in, in the betting right now. So we got Angel of Empire, who ran a terrific race in the Derby, looked like he was going there with a chance to uh, to, to win but this is another horse, you know, really done nothing wrong. A very cool horse. But are we sure he wants to run a mile and a half? I know I'm not. Uh, and, you know, when you're only looking at three to one, seven to two, um, I've got questions there. Tap it trice next in the betting, seven to two, four to one ish. I get him. I mean, he looks you look at his PPs and you look at his bloodlines. And these are things that uh, it just looks like a Belmont winner in a lot of ways. There's a lot of horses. You know, a lot of tap it, tap it, blood, Pletcher trained. There's a lot of things that make this horse look like a contender for sure. But this is a horse who's had a lot of trouble, it seems, just behaving himself and comporting himself professionally, like when stuck in behind horses. He seems to get uncomfortable very easily. And it, this isn't going to be an eight horse field. You know, I, I think we're going to probably have, uh, you know, nine, 10 runners in this race and it, at least. And I'm just not sure that that's really Tapatrice's jam. And again, four to one, not doing anything. Then you got the Preakness winner, National Treasure, who looks like he's going to come back here. And this horse, for lack of a better word, was just gifted the Preakness. Um, it didn't come back like a, a very fast race. And he just feels like a horse you're supposed to be against. So I, I'm absolutely with you about the idea of maybe finding a $20, $25 Belmont winner this year. Where is your eye drawn as far as that goes? Do you have a particular horse you're interested in? Yeah, Pete, I was, you know, getting back to Pletcher, you know, out of the pair, I guess, you know, I'm leaning towards if, uh, you know, tap it trice here. I just, like you said, he's a quirky horse. I think this mile and a half is, I'm thinking is going to probably benefit him. Um, bring him forward. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, like I said, doesn't like the kickback. And I think I'm hoping they get, you know, usually they get out in there in a nice, nice rhythm. Maybe he could stay clear and come running at the end. So, you know, he would be my choice here, but. I'm going back to a horse that I thought ran probably one of the, the best races in the Derby, and that was Hit Show. So I certainly hope Brad Cox um, puts this horse in here. I mean, he was close to, uh, you know, a hot pace in there. Um, and he was, you know, he was around the end. He was the only horse, I think, that was still running at the end here. And, you know, he certainly got some bottom and experience in that race. And I think he's going to be a good price in here. So, you know, right now I'm landing on Hit Show. I've been... I was hoping he was going to run back into Preakness, but, you know, even even better now that he's had so little bit of time off and he's going to come back, hopefully, at this spot here. This is Belmont um, blood, too. We got Tappet on the bottom um, and then Candy Ride on the top. Candy Ride, it was, we were talking about um, the, horse, the, the, the horse earlier, uh, Exalted. They, they, they seem to run on anything, and they seem to be able to do anything. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the horse – the. The, the margin of victory was, or the margin of defeat was increasing in the lane, but this was a horse that had gotten so close. I, I think it's a mistake to to look at that and say he's not going to appreciate the extra ground. And this is a horse, you know, unlike, um, you know, Tapa Trice 4 to 1, we're looking at Hit Show uh, 12 to 1, 16 to 1 right now in the early betting. Probably will be shorter than that on the day. But but certainly interesting for a horse with the with the bloodlines. And it does seem, from the accounts I'm seeing, it does seem like he's being pointed to it. One that I wanted to mention as an alternative, Dean, is Archangelo, who I thought ran really well in the Peter Pan stakes and just had that type of style 
and, and the type of finish that I feel like a, a big run right back in the Belmont could make could make a lot of sense. And this is a horse who uh, you know trying to trying to emulate um, the last horse that did this double was was Tonalist. And then you've got the, the I think Archangelo has some Tonalist blood. Is that right? Let's take a look. Um, no, I made that up. He's by Arrogate, also out of a Tappet Dam. But you know that's pedigree that absolutely should stretch out to this and that progressive profile. I mean, one, the maiden two back then the Peter Pan. I just, I love the improvement this horse has shown. And I feel like that Peter Pan was fast enough that unless we get a through the roof run from one of the others, this horse fits absolutely. And we're seeing in the betting right now at very big, uh, very big numbers, 14 and, and 16 to one. Do you give Archangelo any uh, chance in a race like the Belmont Stakes? Yeah, absolutely, Pete. You got, uh, you know, Castellano uh, takes over here. Um, you know, he looks like he has the right style for this race. He's coming into this race extremely, you know, extreme, extremely good form here. Um, you know, one other horse that you had mentioned before, which uh, was my selection in the Derby, which I'm also against in here. I just wanted to make that point was Angel of Empire. He was my Derby selection, but, you know, he was making up some ground late, but that doesn't necessarily um, transform into good race on Belmont Stakes Day. It's a it's a lot different going to smile and a half. And I think he's going to probably get over betting here. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be against uh, Angel of Empire. Yeah, that was a nice run in the Derby for sure. But we'll see. I mean, classic Empire to honor and serve on the damn side. Anything's possible in these hands. Um, you know, Brad Cox, he, he's so good. The, the workout the other day at Churchill, just on the work tab very fast. But yeah, this is a horse that's going to catch a ton of money. I think will be a solid second choice. We don't have all of our plans for coverage in stone next week, but we'll certainly be doing some sort of uh, some sort of Belmont roundtable. We'll go into these races. We'll go into all the the supporting stakes. There's going to be a lot of great stuff happening between uh, the Met Mile and you know really what's become this Belmont Stakes uh, racing festival. What what are the odds that we see you uh, out there for for one of those days, Dean? And, and any chance you'll make an appearance? Belmont Stakes Day, probably not, although I'd like to be out there, but um, <laughs> odds are you won't see me there. But, you know, Belmont, my you know hometown track, um, you know, no better place to be this time of year, that's for sure. You unearthed that picture that I sent out there. Maybe I'll make that, I'll dig that up and maybe make it the, uh, the profile, the, the, the blog picture for the show today of us. Gosh, I wonder what year that even was, probably circa... <laughs> Circa 2006, you, me, Frank Scatoni, and a bunch of the crew from DRF picnicking before the before the Belmont. That was that was a good time. Yes, uh, I think we had some you know bacon and eggs at uh, <laughs> at 8 a.m. tailgating uh, quite early there. But um, well, that's a good I'm way to do it. I'm not sure they even let you do that anymore. Probably not. But uh, <laughs> some good times for sure. No, that was you. You definitely had the you. You had tailgated before. It seemed like we were dealing with a with a Jets or Giants season ticket holder. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It certainly wasn't my first rodeo. That's uh, <laughs> sure. Good stuff. Any other thoughts uh, looking ahead or looking back, Dean? Before we uh, before we get to the next part of the show. No, I just like uh, you know the Belmont Stakes looks like an intriguing race this year. Um, unlike some years, I think it's going to be very very competitive. And uh, I think we made some good, solid cases to perhaps look past the, the first couple betting choices. So um, I'm kind of anxious to bet that race. 
Yeah, it's going to be fun. Appreciate you and all the work you do here and over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And we will have you on again very soon, my friend. Sounds good, Pete. Uh, Thanks for having me. In the Money Media are proud to be partnered once again with the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the KTDF and have led to an incredible enhancement to the Kentucky racing scene. KTDF dollars in purses are only for Kentucky bred horses, so breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on racing and breeding investments. Because of the benefits of the KTDF, Churchill Downs Racing and Kentucky Racing in general continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. For more information, please check out inthemoneypodcast.com slash KTDF. Also, we're thrilled to continue our partnership with Woodbine for 2023. Great racing north of the border continues with graded stakes all summer, highlighted by the newly renamed King's Plate in August and the Grade 1 Woodbine Mile in September. Do not miss out on the action. This weekend features a slew of stakes, including the Grade 2 Royal North, the Grade 3 Bell Mahone, the Grade 2 Eclipse Stakes, and the Pink Lloyd. For more information, go to woodbine.com and make sure to check out our segment covering Woodbine on Saturday on the Late Week Show. Next up on the show, very pleased to welcome to the In The Money Airwaves, a woman whose work I admire tremendously. Uh, I know her from the Amplify podcast and the work she does with Amplify the organization. And as a passionate racing fan, she is Anise Montpleasure. Anise, what's going on? Well, thanks for having me on, Pete. I'm excited to be back. You guys are one of the most fun shows to join. Awesome. We love to hear that. We're happy to to create that environment where fe- people feel happy to talk about things going on in racing. And, and one cause that is particularly near and dear to us, uh, JK did a whole show recently about the, the issue of mental wellness and horse racing. And it's a sport that, you know, clearly has unique challenges for its participants. And I was really happy to see you and the amplifying team trying to do something about this to not just raise awareness of these issues, but also give people specific steps they can take to help themselves. And I wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about uh, this new partnership you guys have put together. But why don't we start at the beginning? Where did this idea come from? So to give listeners a bit of background information on Amplify Horse Racing, we're a 501c3 nonprofit that's really meant to be a first step for youth and young adults to get involved in the thoroughbred industry and pursue educational opportunities, explore career pathways, and really amplify some of the existing programs that are out there. And so with that, with workforce being a piece of what we do, we really want to make sure that we are helping to remedy some of the you know, challenges that we have in the industry that could deter young people from getting involved or once they are involved, you know, might be sort of a turnoff or might lead to them getting out of the industry Uh, pretty rapidly. And so one of those challenges is mental health. And as you touched on, Pete, you know, it's, this industry has a a unique set of variables that we're working with, you know, regardless of whether you work hands on with horses or hands off, the whole industry revolves around a thousand pound animal. So for those who are hands on, you know, it can be dangerous in some capacities. Uh, I would say most people, I've rarely come across somebody who's um, working in the industry, uh, 
and doesn't have a passion for the animal. So a lot of us come to this sport because we're passionate about horses, we're passionate about racing. So it's really easy to blur those lines between your personal life and what is a hobby and your professional and work life. You know, even just talking to some of my friends casually, and I'm sure you experience this a lot, Pete, I know you you love racing, you're a big time fan. You know, you can find yourself just working all the time. And even when it's a hobby, that can still be really draining. And, you know, that's not even mentioning the the travel schedules that a lot of us have when we work in the sport. So with all of that considered, we wanted to do something uh, to show, you know, young people who might be getting involved in the sport or young professionals that already work in the industry or existing industry employees that, you know, we care about them. We've identified this as a challenge and starting to, you know, increase the dialogue around mental health, which, you know, you guys have done an an awesome job of doing through the podcast. And, you know, the industry has started to really identify that this is something we need to focus on. So should I just dive into the better help component? Yeah, I want to hear. Well, let me let me just jump in and just piggyback with that idea. And I, I think I love the way you framed it, because I mean, I think a lot of people think of the mental health challenges as how difficult how difficult the, the, the game can be and the, and the danger aspect certainly comes to mind. Those have been well touched on, but you know, in, in subtler ways, it is an all consuming activity where um, avocation becomes vocation and, and there's mental health challenges to that. And like, but for me, the issue of mental health, it's not, it's not just the most severe cases. It's, it's a it's a much wider range of people that can potentially yeah. benefit from taking that step back and trying to look and say, hey, where does this sport fit into my life? Is this is this a healthy approach? Is this something that I'm getting the most I can out of life? And, and I think that's where this partnership, you know, can really affect a very wide range of people. Of course, some of it has to do with, you know, the 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 severe um, cases and 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 depression and, and things that can you know, really be life altering, but it's, it's not just for folks at that one end of the spectrum. It's, it's potentially for, for everybody involved in the industry. I I think that's, that's just an important point I want to underline. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's like, uh, impacts to your mental health can be felt in ways like burnout, like waking up and having that feeling in your stomach of, you know, I really don't want to go to work today. I am exhausted. And uh, a lot of times when I'm talking to, you know, current industry professionals asking questions like, you know, what would be your best piece of advice for a young person who wants to get involved in the industry? A word I hear brought up a lot is passion. You need to have passion for it. This is a sport that, you know, is 24-7, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And yes, passion is a great thing, but it shouldn't be all-consuming to the point that you're sacrificing your personal life and the ability to take rest and take care of yourself mentally. So exactly that. I think therapy is just a part of maintaining a healthy lifestyle and just a healthy state of being for everyone. I agree. And I think that, you know, it's it's an area where the younger generation, I think, has something over the older generation in a lot of ways where it's still, I think, in some circles thought of as, 
maybe even a little taboo, I hate to say it. And, and it's obviously should not be that. But, you know, by having these kind of conversations about just what balance can do to improve not only the, the quality of your life, but honestly, even the even the quality of your work, like you're going to do better <laughs> if you're a more yeah. balanced person. And that passion as fuel is a great concept, but it shouldn't be at the expense of that balance. Yes. Exactly. And for those who might shy away from therapy a little bit or feel like it's kind of taboo, you know, in its simplest form, you're just talking to somebody, you know, it's like talking to a completely unbiased party who is a professional at giving advice. So when you boil it down, you know, to that, it's, it's not complicated. It, it shouldn't be something that people shy away from. Yeah, that unbiased perspective is invaluable. I mean, you know, the the cynical older uh, person might say, oh, well, isn't that what friends are for? Well, no. I mean, yeah, friends are for talking and communicating, but that idea of being able to get unbiased professional advice about a host of subjects and not having to worry about the social demands of maintaining a, a friendship and really just being able to get into your stuff and, and be able to get that kind of guidance. It's, I, I mean, at times in my life, I found it absolutely invaluable. And I think it's something that many, many people in the industry can benefit from, which then begs the question, what's, what's the best way in, in 2023 to get that kind of advice if you're starting from scratch? And, and that's what I think this new partnership that you're involved in might have an answer to. Yeah, so I had, you know, originally it started as a really, really simple concept. Uh, So I have a friend who had shared with me some of the results of the Irish Thoroughbred Breeders Association's Mental Fitness and Resilience in the Thoroughbred Industry online seminar, very long name, that took place earlier this year. And she was really impacted by the fact that, you know, this industry body in Ireland had uh, really taken steps to discuss mental health and provide tangible resources for industry members to seek out. So it started by Amplify does a monthly horse racing hangout. So it's a virtual event that I do. It's essentially a virtual workshop where we you know, analyze different topics or bring on different industry professionals to share advice that can help, you know, ideally a young person start to uh, advance or progress in their career or take steps towards a career in the industry. So it started by planning this uh, mental health focus and mental wellness horse racing hangout event. And so I had just reached out to BetterHelp, which is a, a leading online therapy platform to ask if they would share some kind of discount code because I listen to a gazillion podcasts and on a lot of them, BetterHelp is a sponsor of sorts. And so they said, hey, we can actually do one better. And um, through this amazing initiative we have, BetterHelp for Organizations, we can give followers of Amplify a free month of therapy and a discount thereafter to the platform. Uh, for people to give it a try, because, you know, given that it's online therapy, you can access it from whatever state you're in. They have therapists in a multitude of countries, um, you know, different languages. So if English is not your first language, that's not a problem. And it's so incredibly flexible. You can 
You can do like a, a video chat, a phone chat. You can just exchange messages. So you can really do therapy in your own way, whatever works best for you. And that's something that I feel like really fits in well to the uh, irregular schedule, we'll say, of the thoroughbred industry. That's such a great point. And I mean, and it's very important to know that you can customize to what what your lifestyle is. This isn't necessarily, it's not necessarily like the old days where you had to physically go into an office and, and talk to somebody. I think it's been proven that there's, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's some benefits you can still get in a face-to-face -face environment. But for me, I've, I've long ago switched to the virtual because it's just a much easier opportunity to fit it in, even when you're traveling, et cetera. And, and it's something that, you know, I, I, I think that there's probably people within the sound of our voices today that it could be a life changing tool to really help them with the issues that we're we're talking about in terms of life balance and so much more. What, what's the best way for people to find out more about the, the program? So we have a specific link uh, that has been shared across our social media channels, and I can uh, share this with you, Pete. So the only way of accessing this free version is through this link and a specific code that you have to enter. We'll and put so, that in the show notes for sure. And I'll send awesome. it around uh, through my Looms Boldly account, which uh, maybe I'll even pin the message for a few weeks so folks can easily find it through one of those places. Or of course, by following, uh, by following the Amplify account, um, that would be another very easy way. What is the, what is the house Amplify Twitter? I think it's just at Amplify Racing, if I'm remembering that right. Correct. Yep. And that is actually, it's pinned to our Twitter right now, the ability to access it. So that should be pretty easy to find. And I do want to make a note to people, um, benefits can't be applied to more than one account at a time. And you do have to get started through the link. So don't make your account first and then try to go to the link uh, because the free benefit can't be applied to existing accounts. So this really would be kind of for those out there who are newcomers to the, you know, the therapy space or at least the online therapy space. That's very important to note and a good thing to a good thing to put out there and recommend that people check it out for sure. And you can learn more about everything going on at Amplify through the website as well, AmplifyHorseRacing.org. And while I have you, I did want to talk to you about some of the other stuff that Amplify does, specifically the mentorship program, which I believe is uh, has an, an enrollment opportunity coming up. Is that the best way to describe it? Yes, exactly. So we now have two application periods per year for our mentorship program. So this program is best suited to industry newcomers. Our suggested age range is 15 to 25 year olds. So, you know, young people who are interested in pursuing further involvement in the industry, whatever that may be, maybe you want to be a more educated fan. Maybe there's a, a career pathway that you want to explore. Um, or maybe you don't even fully know if you're interested and you just want to learn more. This is a great way for somebody to work with, um, you know, through the application process, we work to pair these mentees with uh, experienced industry professionals to work together for three months uh, in a really structured way. So we have training materials for both the mentors and mentees. You know, it's really only a limited time commitment, and that's part of why it's three months, because some people might get to the end of those three months and think, you know, I'm not sure if this is for me, or 
yes, this is for me, but I'm ready to get connected to the next resource to pursue the next step of my path. And a lot of times the mentor is able to help them do that. So the application for the next, uh, the fall session of mentees is going to open on June 1st, and that will be available on our website, amplifyhorseracing.org slash mentorship, and we'll be blasting it out all over our social media. And another great thing to note, Pete, is that we're always looking for mentors, and mentors can apply any time of year. So that's another uh, application form that can be found on our website. If you're somebody who has significant experience in the industry, you feel like you're a good teacher, and you have some cool stuff to share, and you have the time to you know, commit to a young person for that period of time, we would love for you to be a mentor, regardless of what aspect of the industry you specialize in. I love that idea. You know, we've done that informally over the years. We've had tremendous luck um, with some paid positions, limited hours, getting people who don't have much in the way of, of a previous racing background, but formalizing it and, and actually also having the help of those guidelines from you guys. I, it's something I'm very interested in because I think it's one of the best things that we can do as people who are entrenched in the industry already is try to open the 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 doors as it were to get new people involved i mean it's a sport that that needs um needs a breath of fresh air and it needs more uh youth and it needs more diversity and those all seem like things that can be championed through this program and i love the idea you don't have to go in saying okay i want to be a bloodstock agent or whatever you can go in and you can not know and maybe you think you want to be somebody who's going to be on the media side of things and you realize that you have a knack for pedigrees and you love them and then you end up getting involved in the in the that that side of the business or vice versa but just that ability to be able to um have that flexibility and work with a mentor that can hopefully help guide you as time goes on as you get that experience i mean we've seen that with people um, that we've been lucky enough to have come into our circle within the money media that you, you might start in one place and, and end up in another. And it's great to work yeah. with an organization for whom that wouldn't be a disappointment, but that's just part of the journey. I think that's how real life works. And I, I really applaud uh, that very much. A great example. We had a, a mentee from Puerto Rico a couple years ago. I want to say he was um, 2021. And so we, we accept mentee applicants from the U.S., U.S. territories, and Canada. So there is a lot of flexibility there, depending on where you're from. So he had applied. He had a really strong interest in racing. He had really done what he could, coming from a non-racing background, to get involved in um, Puerto Rico's thoroughbred industry. But he loved animal science. He was very interested in science. So he was paired up with uh, a mentor who is an equine veterinarian, and now he is pursuing vet school and is going to be interning at a veterinary facility here in Lexington, Kentucky this summer. So that is tremendously exciting to see that journey for him progress and have him come into the program not knowing what he wanted to do and you know, leave having basically a mentor for life and a vision for where he wants to see his career go. That's what it's all about. This is great stuff. I really appreciate the work you're doing in general to help the industry, but particularly in this specific area. It's just been well publicized. 
how difficult of a journey it can be and the, the, the impediments and, and sometimes the loneliness that people can feel and to be able to give a way for them to reach out. And I'll say to any listeners, if you have any other questions about this, um, reach out. I'm happy to, you know, I'm no expert, but I mean, I do feel like I have some sense of some of the, the, the help that's out there. I mean, th- th- this program is, is fantastic, but, you know, people who are within the sound of, uh, of our voices, I, I want them to be able to, to reach out with questions, whether it's about trying to get uh, some specific advice, getting involved in the industry or, or, uh, or specifically in this area of mental health. If we can help, we will. And that, that's just part of what we're all about. I really admire this work you're doing in East and, and encourage people to learn more about it. Where can they find out more from you? Uh, any other, uh, any other upcoming uh, hangouts to, to mention to the audience today? Anything along those lines before I let you get out of here? Yeah, if you follow our social media, we're on Instagram at Amplify Horse Racing, Facebook at Amplify Horse Racing, and you already mentioned Twitter at Amplify Racing. So we're really active on social media. When we have new and upcoming events, uh, you're going to find it on there. We're going to have an exciting announcement coming up soon about our Saratoga programming. We're always pumped about that. And that that's kind of our, our next big upcoming thing for people to check out. Love it. And maybe for Saratoga, we'll get you back on to talk specifically about some of that stuff. And maybe we can even collaborate on something up there. We would love to help get the word out. And again, just really want to support the great work you're doing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pete. I really appreciate you amplifying us today. (laughs) Anise, we'll be talking soon. Thanks. Take care. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank Anise one more time, as well as Dean Kepler. We'll thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation to read about the calendar of events for the TRF this year. Check out our page over there, trfinc.org players. That's the place to go and give generously to their mission, especially if you happen to do well from something somebody said on one of these shows. You want to give back. You want to show you support us, support our partners in one of the Best ways to support our partners is donating to the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney, our Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion as well. Our chief creative officer is newly married, Jonathan Kitchen. Congrats once again to G and JK. I know you'll be back next week, but uh, hopefully you get to have some fun before then. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>